Welcome to the Volrath Feed, where we talk about anything and everything associated to the very broad and diverse commercial food service industry. I'm your host, Rich Rupp, product trainer and chef at the Volrath Company. And joining me today, as always, will be our producer, Justin Pearson. Justin. Hey, Rich. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing quite well, thank you. I had a really nice week. You did? Excellent. Excellent. I know this... uh, got outside here a little bit and worked outside it was nice to, to be out and about so <laughs> yeah over the past couple of months it really does seem like the highlight when you can make it outside yes stretch the legs get some fresh air get away from the screens springtime here in, in wisconsin is always a hit or miss opportunity it, it can be beautiful and you can be outside and get a lot done and then you're almost back into what uh my wife would call deep winter <laughs> yeah, I'm not holding my breath that we're uh, out of this quite yet. I feel on my bones there's another winter storm still out there for us. So. Right. So today uh, we have got an interesting guest coming up uh, later on the show, Jim Contardi, who is the CEO of AutoQuotes. And for anyone who doesn't know what AutoQuotes, do you know what AutoQuotes is, by the way? I was completely clueless as to what AutoQuotes was before I started working at Volrath. It's completely new to me. Right. And, 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 yeah. right. And, and why would you, right? It is unique to the food service industry, the commercial food service industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's one of those very, very specialized organizations that they do. And, and maybe help people understand what it is. It's imagine building a house and you're contractor would have a database they could go to and look at all of the different components, things that go into building your house. So, you know, furnaces, uh, hot water heaters, all your HVAC requirements, doors, windows, all at one, on one database or one site. That is basically what AutoQuotes does in the food service industry. Yeah, when you think about what goes into building a restaurant, they must carry a lot of product. It's huge. I, I, I just remember when I was in sales, we this was the tool you the tool you used to build a quote for a dealer or someone that was, you know, presenting a, a package to build a restaurant or a remodel or anything. This was the database and it's to this day it is still the primary, I think, resource in the industry for the our dealer community that um, sells equipment, right, or products that go into the industry. Very cool. In addition to expanding my own knowledge and understanding of what AutoQuotes does, I'm also very interested in learning what Jim has planned for coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic and what part they'll play in getting the industry back on its feet. Oh, right. And, and as we know, you know, right now our industry is has been hit in an unprecedented way right we have right food service outlets shut down or drastically altered in just about every case which is unthinkable um and yet here we are uh but as sure as they we're as sure as where we are today we we are going to come out of this we are going to enjoy dining out again as we've talked to several guests on our show and they we all kind of feel like this is an industry that is here to stay we as humans enjoy going out and eating and dining together and socializing and having that that level of interaction. So we know that it's coming back. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, when. And I think as as we get as we look at restaurants and and these chefs that are out there and, and wanting to be 
you know, creative in what they do and want to build again. This is where Auto Quotes is. I, I know they're going to be back. Uh, excuse me. They're going to be a part of the comeback in the restaurant industry, a very important part of the comeback as, again, these operators and dealers and everyone looks to resource, you know, some of these, these restaurants, specifically, I think, some of the changes that are going to come out of the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, when we come out of this thing. So it'll be very interesting, again, to talk to Jim and find out his, his views on what he sees coming with auto quotes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Rich, it's becoming increasingly challenging to not find any given conversation shifting into the topic of COVID-19, and, and rightfully so. But the one thing that, that where everybody can find common ground that, that binds us all together is food. And because of the current state of affairs, we're finding ourselves more than ever in, in the kitchen. Well, maybe not more than ever, but we're finding ourselves cooking a lot more. I hear a lot of people talk more than ever. You know, we got into a lifestyle of fast pace. Kids are out doing stuff. You're short on time when you get home. And there was a big change in the way that all, I think, is has been lately because everyone is at home. There's no sports to go to and all that extra time now. And, and also, I think a lot of people are trying to watch a little closer. And dining out is, is a little more costly than true buying ingredients at the store and making your own meal. So, yeah, it's really exciting to see people discover or rediscover the joy and love of cooking. I think most people can agree that kitchens really are the social hubs of the home. And as we spend more time and effort preparing food, one of the, the passive and positive side effects of that is we are connecting more with our families. Right. You, you know, one thing you said that just made me smile is you said the kitchens are the hubs, right? So when you have people over your house, you could have like the most elaborate whatever area in the house, living, dining, I suppose, basement area, bar, whatever. People always seem to gather in the kitchen. Isn't that something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> and if you're cooking, everyone wants to be in there with you. And it's, it's, I get it. But yet it's just funny to me that everyone always is in the kitchen, always around the cooking. Yeah, I guess it's just hard to fight thousands and thousands of years of social programming. <laughs> yeah. You know, when we, when we talk about stuff like this, about cooking at home, though, that's, that's you know, what are you cooking on, right? Um, maybe, do you like gas? Do you like electric? What are the benefits of it? I would venture to say that a majority of people would lean towards gas as being the best way to cook. You know, because you see all the professionals use it and it provides very consistent results as well as being really visually stimulating. But we all have to use what we have. And, and right now I am, I have a glass top, which I absolutely loathe. I mean, that thing is just a pain to use. Oh, I'm with you. Uh, I mean, honestly, really about the only thing it has going for it is that it is easy to clean up. I mean, that's, yeah. that's it, right? Yeah, it's exceptionally tedious to try and bo boil water, and it just stays hot for a ridiculous amount of time afterwards. So you got to always be careful around that. It's just, for, for my purposes, not an ideal setup. I, I would much rather prefer to be using gas <laughs> but it was in the house when we moved in and it's not broken so it's really kind of difficult to justify purchasing something new but i'm close nope i i, I couldn't agree more I, I when my wife and i moved into our house we had a, a glass top electric glass top stove 
And we both thought, this is, this is it. We're going to invest in a nice, high-powered gas stove. Yeah. So well, we made the invest. Were you looking at doing residential or commercial grade? Residential, but a nice one, right? We wanted, yeah. we wanted okay. uh, power, right? The, uh. How do you do the old uh, tool time? Uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so we invest. And I mean, like the first or second time I used it, I kind of was thinking to myself, uh-oh. Because when you have a glass top, some of the nice things about it, as we mentioned, we're cleaning. The other thing is it doesn't quite have a lot of that excess heat that comes out of it. It doesn't have the same amount as a gas stove does. So your mm-hmm. handles don't get quite as hot, and the surrounding surfaces just didn't seem to get as hot. So anyway, we bought this gas stove, and very shortly, I was thinking to myself, uh-oh. And maybe another week later, my wife said, uh-oh. <laughs> so what do we do, right? I mean, we're stuck. And we either live with it because we made the investment or... We say, let's get what we really want because we use our stove a lot. So we went and invested in a induction stove. Mm, okay. So now we have the power of induction, the power of which, which is just like gas, right? You yeah. have that control, but yet you've got that cleanup of a electric glass top stove. Yeah, best of both worlds there. What was the final nail in the coffin for gas? Well, when we were, I don't know what we were doing one day, but... Um, the heat around the stove got so much that our hood turned on automatically. Yikes. There's a switch. I didn't know this, but in the hood, in our hood, there was a switch that if the temperature ever got to be too much, it would automatically just turn on to vent. Huh. So that's how hot it got. The stove was kicking out that much extra heat that the whole surface around it got so hot that the hood automatically turned on. Sheesh. Well, I guess that's your extra power there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right, I guess. But I don't know. We... we we thought, I think, like many people did, that gas was the way to go. And you know, once we got into it, I tell you, induction again wins. It just is. It's my favorite, my favorite way to heat to cook. Period. Yeah. Well, with some of the advancements with induction over the years, a lot of the complaints about gas versus induction really have gone away and they're no longer an issue. Exactly. And as reliability has gone up, pricing has come down. You know, the industry is getting better yeah. at it. Yeah. Uh, I always compare it to big screen TVs. Remember when big screen TVs came out? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a 48-inch plasma was four grand or something, right? <laughs> yeah. I I, oof, I spent way too much money on that back in the day. <laughs> I, I was kind of an early adopter. And it's just absolutely soul-crushing to to spend that kind of money on something and then just see the price plummet on it almost overnight. It's, oh, <laughs> man. Exactly. And and that's kind of what induction is, is has happened with induction, I should say, because induction used to be kind of pricey. And as technology has gotten better, pricing has come down, and it's becoming more and more affordable. The reliability has gone up. And that's one of the things I think in the industry people still appreciate about gas is it is very reliable, but induction – with all the advancements that are made in this in this circuitry design and the components, it really has come such a long way that it's just not even that big a consideration anymore, period. It's just so much better than it used to be. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. But whatever we have to cook on, we're seeing a lot more people who previously didn't spend any time cooking where their experience was limited to ramen or a box of macaroni uh, they're really starting to give it a good go in the kitchen and they're getting a lot of help from the internet um, like pinterest or 
Instagram or YouTube or, or whatever. And you're seeing a, a lot more recipes come out um, utilizing <laughs> uh, what people have readily available and that are relatively easy to make. And we're seeing influencers and celebrities share their quarantine cooking, which is really quite nice. It, it helps us break out of our, our culinary ruts that, that we've fallen into over the years. Well, as you said, everyone being home a lot more now, obviously we, no one can go anywhere. You, you probably got your, what, uh, five to seven go-tos where mm-hmm. during the course of a week, these were the things you'd you kind of fall into if you were looking for something and you didn't feel like picking anything up or going out. Everybody's kind of got those, but I think what's happening is those the, the repetition of those five to seven is, is worn some people out, right? So people are looking for more. They're looking for something different. They're, yeah, yeah. They're, and yes, you could call it quarantine cooking. I, I think that's uh, absolutely what people are doing now. And I know my wife has got her friends that'll call and say, you know, um, here's what we're thinking. Do you have any idea or good recipes for something? So people, I think, are looking for things that are a little different. Yeah. And, I feel incredibly fortunate to be able to tap into the creativity of others through the the power of information sharing that we that we have these days. And speaking of accessing other people's creativity, I would be willing to bet that many people would be interested in knowing what might be one of your go-to recipes when you just need to put something good tasting together. So, Rich, I, I hate to put you on the spot here, but uh, do you have a recipe that maybe oh. you could share with us right now? Okay, we we do have a few, and as I think about it, one that you know, when you have a pantry, uh, there are certain things you just keep in your pantry, right? Right. Uh, tomatoes, we keep, we always keep some type of tomato, diced tomatoes, whole tomatoes, some type of canned tomatoes in our pantry. We always have onions. We always have some garlic on hand, pasta, some shapes of pasta, many different types. You know, those are kind of basics, cheese. We always have cheese. One of the things that we always make sure we have is um, one of our go-tos in this case is a uh, like an Italian sausage pasta. It's really simple. If we're out and about all day and, and we come home and we're thinking, what are we going to have for dinner? We always make sure we have some Italian sausage in the in the freezer. And then from there, it's just those standard things in your pantry that, I mean, it, it's really a good meal. We all, we all, um, we all well, look forward to it. I, it's, it's simple. I hate to interrupt you, but could we back up just for a second? And maybe you could, you could give us um, a few ingredients and, and items that should just be standard in our pantries that are very versatile and we can use in lots of different applications. Just, just stuff that's all around good to have on hand. Oh boy. Uh, well, I, I mentioned some of them already. I think tomatoes, canned right, tomatoes. Right. Those are a, just a good thing to have. You very versatile. You can do a lot of different things with canned tomatoes. Um, beans, uh, white beans, canned beans are good ones to have. Italian sauce. Uh, I know there's going to be a lot of people that might think really canned jarred sauce, whatever. But if it's a base, if it's a starting point to yeah. go from there, and then you can, you know, build on to something else you've got going. Fresh garlic. Um, that's something we always do in the restaurant industry. We will buy a bunch of garlic and stand around and clean garlic and chop it up and then put it in a jar with a little olive oil on top, and you keep that in your refrigerator. It keeps for a good long time, so that's kind of a staple you can always have on hand. 
Um, onions, of course. Of course. Uh, pasta, as I mentioned. That's a great thing to have on hand. Many different shapes and sizes. It just adds some variety to what you're doing. Obviously, you can substitute in most cases. Just any pastas pretty much kind of go. There are specialties within pasta that you'll choose sometimes if you have the luxury of one over the other. But if push comes to shove, you know, a lot of pasta works. It just It's pretty interchangeable, really. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, frozen vegetables, that's another great thing to have in, in on hand always because, you know, I mean, frozen food is, is pretty good. One tip on that, by the way, if you've got a chest-style freezer, put things that you're going to keep for a long time in that freezer versus your over-the-top or in your, you know, your normal everyday freezer. Why is that? As you open and close that and as they go through a defrost cycle, uh, that is the stuff that can cause the ice buildup on, on oh, frozen foods okay. much quicker. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's how you get the freezer burn then, huh? Right, right. So if you have a chest-style freezer, when we want to keep things long-term, especially even bread, much better in a chest-style freezer than they are in a upright freezer. So okay. those are all things we keep on hand um, in our house anyway. And that, that pasta recipe that is really a go-to, it's simple. We've given it to a lot of different people. They all seem to enjoy it. Um, I'll tell you what, why don't I even... Yeah, do oh. you know it off the top of your head? Well, I could guess here. Uh, well, um, we can we can also post it. We'll, we'll get it up there as well so that uh, everyone can have access. Well, absolutely. Well, off the top of my head, uh, the recipe, pretty simple. Again, it's just that uh, Italian sausage. We brown that up. And then when that's uh, going, it's some onion, garlic, and then... Um, we mix in the tomatoes, the canned tomatoes, some basil, oregano, and chicken stock. Oh, you know, another staple, I just thought of it, uh, that, that, what I talked about one of our episodes, chicken stock, right? Oh, yeah, I love that. When I make chicken stock, I freeze it in a lot of different smaller containers so that when we do have things like this, we can pull a little fresh stock out. So, you know, there's a little bit of prep work involved in keeping a pantry and a, a couple of backups in your freezer for these moments, but it does also just make every meal... You have those those ingredients that you know are going to be on hand, which is a lot easier to plan. For sure. And then I think we cooked the pasta on the side, and then we add it into that. And then over the top when we're serving, and it's about probably for a pound of Italian sausage, it's probably just under a pound of pasta, something in there that we use. I know we don't use the whole pound, so it's just under that. And then uh, to finish it off on the table, we'll put some grated parm and just sprinkle that on top, and and also uh, chopped spinach. Yeah, I can dig that. Frozen chopped spinach goes in there as well. So, yeah, we'll put cool, the recipe cool. together, and we'll put it out and uh, post it for everyone to see what they think. Yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely going to try this one at home, but my heart's telling me deep down inside that I think it would be a lot better if you made that <laughs> for me, Rich. Well, we need to get off of the uh, yeah. out of the quarantine yeah, first. Right, right. I know, I know. It is quarantine cooking, I understand, but yeah. that just, we're going to have to wait a little bit. But I, hey, listen, we're going to do it, all, all right. right? I'll be patient. We will, we will make this. <laughs> okay, so let's welcome now to the show Jim Contardi, who is the CEO of AutoQuotes. And uh, Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rich. Great to be here. Yeah, appreciate you taking the time with us today. So uh, we talked a little bit about what AutoQuotes is and does, and that was just kind of what Justin and I thought um, what it is. Why don't you, if you could, just take a few seconds to describe to our audience exactly what AutoQuotes is and your your background, I guess, coming into AutoQuotes, and just give us a little um, insight into, into what it is and what it does. 
So AutoQuotes is a content platform for the food service and equipment supplies industry. We've got a million different products on our platform that dealers or manufacturer reps or kitchen designers uh, can go explore and find the right equipment or the right supplies for their end operator customers. Did you uh, say a million? A million, yes. Holy well, actually, cats. it's just short of a million <laughs> right now, but we keep a uh, hundred fields of data on a million products. So um, it, it is quite an upkeep exercise to keep all the data straight and accurate. That is a staggering amount of product and information. <laughs> well, and, and that's why um, I, th I think we add a lot of value to the industry. Um, it, it's an industry with many, many products that have many, many different applications, and it would be hard to keep it all straight if uh, you had to look in many different places to go find the information. And we're trying to be that one place where you can find everything you need to put together the, the right kitchen configuration. And Jim, we were just discussing as well, there, there really isn't anything quite like it on the retail side, is there? There's no, is there another organization or uncommercial, I guess, say in home building or any other um, area that, that has a database like you have specific to food and beverage? Is there anyone else that has something like that? It's, it's really unique. I, I came from a, a company called Avitru, where we were trying to do something similar for the building products industry. Uh, but it was nowhere near as comprehensive as uh, what we've got here for the food service equipment space. So did you guys start from scratch or is this a compilation or composite of a couple of different entities? I mean, what, what did it take to, to get to where you are now? The, the business was actually founded 30 years ago this month. So, so we're a three-decade-old company. Oh, 30 uh, years, congrats. <laughs> Thank you. Milestone. Uh, the founder of our company was the son of a food service equipment dealer. And as he looked at his father's business, he thought, my gosh, this is so complex. All these catalogs and price lists, and they never seem to be right or up to date. Why don't we just start entering this on the PC? And the father suggested to the son, that's a great idea. Why don't you do that? <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, he and a couple of other folks went off and dedicated themselves to sort of creating this database. And of course, 30 years ago, it was on you know, a floppy disk, uh, and now it's, you know, all on the internet. Uh, but uh, it has evolved over time. And over time, more and more manufacturers have signed up to participate. And more and more dealers and manufacturers reps have signed up to uh, access the information. And it's just become a very robust, um, really database and set of applications that let people get their job done. So in your database, I know it's equipment, obviously, but is there any other, how far out into the, there's so many different products that are used in food service. You're not in disposables or anything like that. It's just, is it strictly just equipment or is it other soft goods or exactly what do you cover? It started out as equipment, uh, equipment only, but then moved into small wares and now we're into furniture. We do have uh, some amount of supplies and disposables. In fact, oh, I wasn't aware uh, just, just last week, we added some indexing to our database so that people can find PPE, for example, personal protective equipment, um, and various Jansan uh, sorts of products. So uh, that, that isn't the, the forefront of what we do, but it seems that there are more people interested in finding products in those categories, so we're expanding in those categories. 
I have such mad respect for people in logistics. I just simply do not have the brain uh, to to handle that kind of uh, thinking. But what type of operation systems do you guys use to manage everything so that it runs clean and smooth? Uh, we operate on a Microsoft Azure cloud services backend. So all of this information is in the cloud. We have a set of tools that we use uh, for our internal content specialists who are people that are generally very knowledgeable about food service. And they are getting this information from the manufacturers that work with us. And then we go through and we check all that data, make sure that it's properly entered into the database. We have a series of checks to make sure that it's accurate. Um, and then we, we actually have something called the kitchen police, where a user of the system can click and say, hey, I think I found a problem. And uh, we'll look at that reported problem. And um, if, if there is actually a problem, we'll work with the manufacturer to correct it. Um, and then we'll also pay the person who clicked the link 10 bucks for helping us find a problem. So it's sort of a crowdsourcing of, of data accuracy. And last year, our, um, ba based on those reported errors, our database was 99.97% accurate. That is impressive. Excellent. I know I heard about that uh, recently that you were doing this finder's fee, so to speak. That's, And that's the key about this whole database is that, you know, as a manufacturer, we print a catalog and very shortly thereafter, in many cases, we find something that wasn't right or that a product is in the middle of a change and it, it, the change ends up happening. So the data can become outdated pretty quickly. So the, the fact that you're always current, that is, that's a huge deal for the, for the industry. You know, we're all on work from home right now, as is uh, most, as are most businesses. Um, but we've got our content specialists in their homes, um, you know, updating the, the content daily. And, and literally, we are making hundreds of updates a day to the, to the database. That's great. Keeping everything current. Yes. What were some of your early growth strategies that helped position your company into becoming the powerhouse that it is today? Well, early on, I can't attach my name to it. I've only been with the company for about a year at this point. Um, but early on, it was it was a desire to serve the industry, and it still is today. Uh, you know, here's the the son of an equipment dealer who recognizes that the industry can be more efficient, and develops this capability to do that. Uh, we we've taken that same approach to now expand the way that that information can be used. For example. Um, we're in the process of making available a product called the e-commerce API uh, because most manufacturers want to have some sort of e-commerce outlet for their products. Virtually every dealer is embracing e-commerce and they want to be able to use the best quality data within their e-commerce environment. And so we're making this API available so they can do that with our information. Uh, so I think our key to growth is we find areas where we can help the industry improve. Um, and that doesn't mean, you know, pitting one player against another player. You know, we can float all boats and, and just have a more efficient industry. Jim, do you see any, uh, you're currently talking about manufacturers and dealers, and I know you work with, a lot with specifiers. Do you see any time in your future that you might let end users access some of the data on your database? You know, we've, we've had a lot of uh, people inquire about that, and I, I think there is the possibility that we could almost be like a lead source for the industry if we had a, 
a simple way for operators to discover new products or something that might uh, fit their needs, and they could push a button and you know be connected with a dealer that sells those products. Um, that would be terrific. And so we, we we thought about that possibility. Another area I was wondering if you had any thought on was ratings or feedback on the products on your site. I, I don't believe there is currently anything like that. Is there? It's been a long time, admittedly, since I've worked real closely with uh, auto quotes as I was in sales at one point and now I uh, haven't used it a lot in our, my business, but I hear a lot of um, our salespeople and everyone talking. And is there any place for feedback from users or dealers or anyone on the products? You know, as consumers, we've been trained to realize that the best form of information is ratings and reviews from sort of our peers um, and, and that, that seems to be certainly bleeding into the business to business world. And so that's something that we're exploring right now. And I, I think there might be a, a, a very effective way of including that, that would help, um, both dealers as, and possibly end operators select products that are more fit for their needs. Okay. That I think will be a, a welcome addition. Cause I, th I think you're right. We all look for the, that feedback and it's, it's, it's trusted more, I think, isn't it? Or do you think it's just more obviously insights from operators that actually use the equipment? But I think people tend to trust those things, don't they? It, it really is all about trust and transparency. Um, you know, a manufacturer can say whatever they want about their own product. And, you know, depending on how it's presented, that's good information. But hearing how somebody else used it and how successful they were with it, you know, as, as, People that consume things, we tend to trust that more. Very true. Yeah, it, mm -hmm. it's, it really is like a nice, warm safety blanket that you can wrap yourself around and feel good about committing to a purchase. Yeah, of course, we all got to take it with a grain of salt because sometimes they're directly associated with the company and sometimes they got a personal vendetta, you know, so. <laughs> right. But whatever the product is, we're spending more and more time shopping online and putting a lot of faith into these reviews because... In the past, they've served us well, so it, they've been reinforced over time and sometimes even to the point where we might not do as much product research as we previously had. Right. Right, and even if, if we do see a, a bad review, we, we read it, and you can tell pretty quickly, like you said, if there's a vendetta or some reason out there, you can kind of <laughs> tell fairly yeah. quickly what what the motivation of the, the author of that review is, right? True, true. So even though there's a bad one out there, and also it's, it's important how the just like in the restaurant industry or any other industry, how they how they respond back, right? That's an important part to the review is the response back from the manufacturer or the dealer or you know, whomever, right? Right. So, yeah. so Jim, we talked about kind of current and, and a little bit of the future. Any, any other big initiatives you see or changes in technology or changes in the industry, obviously with what's going on in the world today, uh, there's a lot of things coming, but anything specific that you see with auto quotes or with how our dealers and community and, and everyone uses your product? You know, I, I think um, businesses are becoming more and more interested in putting data to work as they make decisions. And because we have many, many products and we see many, many quotes get assembled on the platform, we're in a position to help both dealers and manufacturers with some insights around what products are selling best, what products sell better in combination, 
what are the most widely used features, those sorts of things. And so one of the things that we'll be focusing on is bringing more of those analytical insights to our customers uh, to help them make better decisions about uh, what their selling process is or what their products are. Uh, very soon, we'll be coming out with a product called uh, AQ Insight Pro. Uh, we introduced AQ Insight um, earlier this year, and it's been uh, very well received. We're introducing Insight Pro that will have uh, a whole new level of insights and the ability to drill down into the data to be able to figure out what some of those um, connections are you know, between products and features and channel types and all those sorts of things. So some of the insights, are, are you thinking like, or is one of your insights now that if someone commonly searches for a product by a certain search word, that you let the manufacturers know that that's the, the key way that people are looking for that product? Is that part of what the insights are or what, what, what is insights? That's an excellent example of an insight. That's not one that is uh, currently in the product, though thank you for that suggestion, Rich. <laughs> oh, I'll take it. <laughs> Uh, but just enabling um, a manufacturer, for example, to, to figure out how the volume of their product is doing within a category relative to how that category is doing overall will let a product manager know, am I you know, gaining mindshare or am I losing mindshare with my product? Th those types of things are, are where we've been primarily focused. But getting into how do people search and find my product that's a whole other avenue of, of places that we can go, and, and we intend to do that. I'd like to take a small step backwards, and what what does the entire process look like for clients when they initiate an order with AutoQuotes? Well, there are a number of different facets to AutoQuotes and a number of different users. For example, we have a, a group of solutions called AQ Design, and that's used by designers and consultants to design a kitchen. Um, but the, the, the primary user of our product is the dealer sales rep at a, a food service equipment dealer or a manufacturer's rep who's, who's out working on projects. And what they're doing is they're going into the AQ application, they're creating a project, and then they're starting to pull products into that project based on, you know, whatever the needs of, of that project are, if it's a you know, a, a concession at a country club or it's a stadium or, you know, whatever the, the project looks like, they'll start pulling products into that. They'll be working with their end customer to hone in on kind of what the right answer is. And then um, they will generate a quote within auto quotes that they can send to that end operator so that they can review that. And they might go through a couple of different iterations of that until they get it just right. Um, then, uh, this is actually new to the product, we have something called AQ Quote Acceptance, where when the, when the end operator receives that quote, they can click on a button and they can electronically sign that quote, which then lets the, you know, the dealer know that that's an accepted quote, it's now an order. And that'll kick off, uh, you know, a, a PO process at the dealer, and those purchase orders will go back to the manufacturers so that that product can be procured. Um, uh, very shortly, we'll be announcing a capability called AQ Pay, and so the the end operator not only can accept the quote by pushing a button, um, they can also push a button to pay by ACH, pay by credit card, or even sign up for instant financing.
um, so that we can further uh, take friction out of that process and make it very easy for the dealer to do business with the operator and then deliver all the right information that's required in the purchase order to the manufacturer to make that process go smoothly as well. Man, I love living in the age of convenience. <laughs> so, Jim, I would love to hear a little bit about uh, some of your background in the food service industry. Like, did you have any jobs when you were younger that, you know, work in fast food or something like that? So, c- true confessions, I'm not really a food service guy. Oh. But I do have one connection to food service. When I was in high school, I was uh, dipping ice cream at Baskin Robbins. Yeah, 31 uh, slinger. So I, I, I have stood on the other side of the counter, but I, I have to admit that that uh, d- does not really give me a lot of qualification to talk about the, the food service industry. Um, but my, my background is really in technology, and I've been in technology my, my whole life. Um, and... Of course, when you're in technology, it's technology to solve a problem somewhere. And that has been applied to lots of different industries. And so now it's really fun to learn what the issues are in food service and try to apply technology solutions to the challenges of the food service industry. Of which there are many. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So what was your first experience that made you realize that technology was a viable career path for you? Actually, when I was a little kid, I, I grew up in, in Minnesota, and my father was in the computer industry back in the early 60s. So he was at the very beginning of the computer industry. Hearing about that at the dinner table got me interested in it. Uh, I ended up going to Iowa State University uh, to study computer engineering uh, when that was you know, at the very beginning of those kinds of programs. And when I left school, I joined IBM, which was sort of the, the Google of its era, I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, ha- had a nine-year career at IBM and have since gone on to many other uh, technology companies. But um, uh, it, it was great uh, starting my career to see how an investment in one of these technology assets could actually improve a business. And you know, over time, the technology's gotten better and the business problems have gotten more sophisticated. Uh, but it's the same principle. You can apply these tools to help improve the business. Ah, very cool. So as a career problem solver, I'm sure you've experienced many fixes throughout your time. But what stands out as one of your favorites that drastically improved a process or procedure or something that changed the course of a, a company that you were working for? Uh, you know, when um, I was at a uh, company a few years back, um, company's first data that's since been acquired by Fiserv, uh, we were providing commerce technology solutions and w- working with some of the biggest retailers that were trying to figure out how to get from being just an in-store retailer to being both in-store and online and helping them unlock that puzzle of, of how do I sell my products online and accept payments and so forth. Um, it, it was it was fun to be part of that transition to e-commerce. Hmm. And realistically, that transition is continuing. Not, not everyone has embraced it. I think only about 14% of sales are currently on e-commerce. Wow. But we know wow. it's we know it's going to go up. Awesome. Jim, that was that was one thing when you were talking about it. I had some questions. The the EQ pay feature. Are you talking that the who, who would be paying into that? Is it the, the end? No, who would be paying into that or how would that work? So the, the dealer would present 
uh, this intelligent um, quote to the end food service operator, and they can do two things. They, they can accept it, which then converts the quote to an order, and then two, they can pay for it. By pushing a button, they can select between ACH and they'll provide them with their e-checking account number. They can use a debit or credit card and enter that information, or they can hit a button that, that says, I'd like to finance this purchase, and we can provide instant financing. Uh, we actually have a partner behind the scenes that provides all the, the payments plumbing. Uh, AQ is not in the payments business, but we have a partner that we're using to help us do that. But this way, the, the uh, dealer can provide payment options to the operator. The operator might be able to get financing that they otherwise might not have had an option to do. And uh, we are just now facilitating a much easier transaction, uh, just the same way that you know, we use Uber Eats or whatever, where it's just really easy to pay for it. Uh, we're trying to do the same thing here. Okay, so it's the dealer that would present the quote to the end user. The end user says, I like this, I want this package that you presented, and here we go. And as you say, they can either finance it, they can pay directly or whatever it is, but that is to the dealer then that who they pay for with that product, I see. Right, okay. the dealer gets paid immediately, the operator satisfies their payment obligation and, and the transaction keeps moving. Interesting. So that's a way to extend auto quotes out to the end user. That That's a new feature. How, how long has that been available? Um, AQ quote acceptance was just earlier in April and AQ pay will be later this quarter. Okay. Sounds exciting. It, it's a big change and I, great, great. Uh, sounds really like a convenience thing for an operator to be able to, to uh, finance or pay for their, their new renovation or their new uh, large purchase that way, right? Absolutely. And you know, we, we didn't plan it this way, but um, you know, these products are also really good at facilitating work from home. Um, if, if I don't need to move a physical purchase order around or you know, how, how deal with how I'm going to pay and all that sort of thing, um, you know, the operator and the dealer can both be in some remote place um, and still be able to continue conducting business. Um, and, and so, um, you know, a AQ quote acceptance um, is, you know, free of charge. AQ pay is free of charge to the operator. Uh, so we're, we're you know, putting these tools out here thinking that in this current environment that this could be very useful to a dealer's business to help them continue to, to do business. With everyone anticipating return to activity, what are some of the steps that AQ is taking in the midst of the pandemic? Yeah, I guess first let me acknowledge that that this is just devastating for the the food service yeah, uh, industry yeah. in in our country. I imagine in almost every country, um, you know, it requires humans touching things and humans being in contact with each other, and that's just a bad combination right now. But um, um, I, I am confident that things are going to change uh, and improve, and we have an opportunity to participate in a recovery here. Um, you know, there, there's small things that we've done, like, um, you know, add some new index words to our database to allow people to more easily find the PPE and the, the hygiene sort of products. Uh, but something bigger that we've done, um, a few weeks back, we announced a program called AQ Cares, 
that was composed of a, a couple of different pieces. One, one is a no layoff pledge. That's awesome. Uh, we, we worked with our investors and said, you know, we've got a lot of expertise here. We don't want to lose it. We want to be here stronger for the recovery. Um, and, and so uh, we, we've done that. Um, we have positioned a number of products to help support remote working. We talked about uh, the quote acceptance that, that's already out, the AQ uh, pay that will be coming out shortly that just aids you know, people in conducting uh, their business when things aren't normal from a work environment standpoint. We've expanded uh, our educational opportunities. So there's more webinars. People are finding themselves at times with a little bit more time on their hands. And this is a good opportunity to uh, sort of invest in training and that sort of thing. And so we're making uh, some new webinars available. Um, and uh, we've announced uh, flexible payment plans for uh, companies that need some flexibility in how payments are gonna work. Uh, we are here to work with them and make sure that they're able to, to be strong in the business. And then the final facet of it is uh, industry data tracking. Uh, because there are all these uh, quotes that get created and sent out of the platform, we have some sense for what the activity level is of the industry. We've been keeping track of that uh, since the beginning of the year, of course. Um, and what we saw was that the week of March 2nd was sort of the, the last week of normalcy. And then we saw a series of downticks in terms of activity and volume quoted. Uh, the great news, at least what might seem like great news right now, is that we've seen the volume level come up over the past two weeks. Oh, that is great so, news. Uh, it's it's possible that we've maybe uh, touched the bottom here, and you know with takeout and uh, all the other things, there's enough activity to sort of keep this going. And then as states come online and as uh, restaurateurs reopen and other food service operations uh, get going, uh, hopefully we'll we'll all see this uptick. Oh, that is that's great news. As our CEO says, the, the good thing about the bottom is the only way to go from the bottom is up, right? So hopefully that's <laughs> that's where we're going is is up. That That's fantastic news. Okay, well, Jim, thank you so much for uh, joining us here today on the feed. Uh, fascinating to hear, you know, what AutoQuotes is doing. And, and again, for the people that, that didn't know about AutoQuotes, I hope this is uh, something that uh, you found interesting. I, I know when I got into this industry, uh, learning about auto quotes, it was it was amazing, and again, those one million uh, products that they keep track of for a million um, everyone in the industry, quite amazing. And and learning about where you are now, and and again, where you're you're seeing the uh, the future, and, and that's just that's really interesting. And and again, thank you for joining us. Um, any last thoughts again on the the future, or any anything you'd like to uh, follow up with here, wrap up the show with? You know, we're going through some challenging times right now, but I think, you know, these challenging times will, will be over soon. And then we think about where the industry goes. And I would say that this is an industry that has not fully taken advantage of digital tools to be able to get business done. And so that is going to be a huge opportunity for this industry to really grow and expand and satisfy the needs of end operators. And we'd like to think that we'll play a small part in uh, making that happen. Well, absolutely. I think your your assessment is, is spot on. This industry has always just been about, you know, the personal side of just taking care of people and serving and and certainly technology can and can help there tremendously. So, uh, Jim, as we always like to end with our guests and in your career, I'm sure you've had 
uh, mentors along the way or people that have influenced you or just things you've heard that you find uh, memorable in, in, a, in a quote? Anything at all today? You have a, a quote that you'd like to share with everyone? Yeah, it's, it's actually a, a phrase that's um, usually attached to my wrist on a, on a wristband. And it's, it's not a quote per se. It's, a, it's an old Latin proverb, but in English, it's, if the wind will not serve, take to the oars. And um, to me, that, that means a couple of things. You know, one, be, be proactive. Don't, don't wait. Um, you know, two, have a plan B. Uh, you know, plan A is not always going to work. Have a plan B. Um, and then three, it's, you really got to focus on what you can control. Don't worry about the stuff you can't control, but have a plan for the things you can't control. Well, I love it. That's, that's a great uh, phrase there to live by for sure. Thank you very much for that. Justin, any last words from you on today's show? Or <laughs> Well, I think you know that there are. I would once again just like to remind everyone to please hit that subscribe button. Never miss a moment with a chef or food service industry expert. And if you like what we're doing, why not share it with a friend? And while you're at it, leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. We would greatly appreciate that. Okay. Thank you, Justin. And uh, for everyone else, if there's anything at all you have on thoughts, a topic, or something we've covered on the show, or ideas that you'd like us to discuss, please visit us at volrathfoodservice.com slash the feed. And as always, I like to leave you with a quote of my own, and that simply is, uh, don't worry about the other guy, just do what you do best, and no one's going to beat you. Everyone, thanks for listening today. Until next time, take care. Thanks.